This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Philippians chapter 4, last week we spoke about first century conflict resolution. We talked about the, uh, the role of women in the church of Philippi. Uh, we talked about how Paul aggressively uh, called people by name that were struggling with the sin of adultery. Nope. We talked about how Paul called out by name, aggressively said, you and you, because they were struggling with the sin of murder. No. He aggressively called out by name those that were struggling with the sin of disunity. He calls both of these leaders within the church out by name. And we spoke of how this passage in Philippians chapter 4 we talked about last week uh, coincides with Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 18 about how to deal with conflict. And it's basically this. You deal with it one-on-one, face-to-face, man-to-man, woman-to-woman, man-to-woman, however you deal with it, one-on-one. And then if that can't be helped, you call in some help. And we talked about how biblically that's what we're called to do um, as a church. And that was a tough one. If last Sunday was your first Sunday with us, then we don't always preach about that kind of stuff. All right, so uh, we're, we're, we're taking a different route. And Paul begins chapter 4 um, with, you know, therefore my, my brethren dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. It's an encouraging verse. He hits verse 2 and 3, which we went over last week about conflict. He comes right back in verse 4, and that's where we are this morning in verse 4 he says this rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice let your moderation be known unto all men the Lord is at hand be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus finally brethren whatsoever things are true honest just pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Uh, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. Open your word to our hearts. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us through your word today. I pray we would leave here changed We would leave here motivated. We would leave here honoring you. We would leave here in love with you. Uh, We thank you for your word and how you promised it will not return to us void. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Uh, If you've been here at any time, uh, much at all, you know that I'm a sports fan. I'm a sports fan. In fact, today, uh, many of your favorite team, the UNC Tar Heels, will play uh, for a berth in the Sweet 16. Yep, I'm with you. And, uh, and so they will play for a birth in the Sweet 16. For others of us, um, our team won yesterday, and we're in the Sweet 16 for next week and, and, and all that. And here's the thing. I love sports. If I don't watch it, sports becomes a very consuming part of my life. And here's the thing. You'll see me at sports games. And when I'm at sports games, I mean, I could be at a football game, and we get a first down, and it's like, first down and I'm like high-fiving people and you know and I got season tickets to Duke football so we got like four first downs this year it was great and so I got to do that four times and uh and so but I'm going crazy we score a touchdown I'm like yeah I'm even thinking I mean we started we planted the church October 1st I get so riled up at football games that I'm telling myself okay 
don't yell and don't scream because tomorrow morning you got to preach. So don't mess your voice up, like chill, just clap and, you know, be that nice tame fan. But you know what, man, I get pumped. I get excited. If you've watched any of the first two rounds of of the uh, March Madness tournament that's been going on, I mean, you saw buzzer beaters. I mean, people shooting a shot right at the end. And, man, it's like, what? Everybody goes nuts and they go crazy and they tackle the guy and they're on the court. And, man, everybody is rejoicing. Everybody is rejoicing. And guess what? If you're at that game, if you're a Michigan fan, and last night they hit a shot at the buzzer as time expired to win the game, they were down two, they hit a three-pointer at the buzzer to win the game. If you're wearing Michigan gear and that shot went through the hoop and you just stood there, people would look at you like you were crazy. Because you know what? Something awesome just happened for your team and you're expected to cheer. You're expected to rejoice. And I just wanna say this this morning, I'm not even going at my notes right now, I'm talking. I just want to tell you this morning, hey, listen, Jesus Christ is way more important than your basketball team. And Jesus is way more important than my football team and your football team. And Jesus is way more important than that three-pointer going in at the buzzer. And at the end of the day, here's what, here's what bugs me about myself, is that I'll go to a Duke, Duke football game and I'll high-five people and I'll scream, I'll hug people I don't even know. But you know what? When I see someone get saved... Or we see, man, we, we sing a song and it's talking about Jesus. Now I get a little bit like, I'm not real sure. And I just want to say this morning, God calls us to, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the pen of the Apostle Paul, He calls us to rejoice. He calls us to rejoice this morning. And we ought to be rejoicing and be just as passionate or more passionate about our Savior than we are our team. We ought to be more passionate about Jesus this morning than we are about a touchdown this morning. And I'm talking to myself because I'm passionate in this area, but I think I'm talking to some others. We get very passionate about certain things, and we rejoice in those things. For some of you, it might be in the financial world, and the stock market takes a big spike up, and it's like... Ooh, you call your wife or your husband at work. You're like, hey, guess what just happened? Stock market went up. What, was, what used to be worth 20 grand is now worth 27 grand. Woo! And you're, whatever it is, we get, we get very passionate about what we want to get passionate about. This morning, the word rejoice is rooted in the word joy. By the way, the first point, Paul repeats the imperative to rejoice. Paul repeats the imperative to rejoice. He's talked about rejoicing before. He repeats it um, again here. But rejoice is rooted in the word joy. It's rooted in the word joy. And we see the theme of joy over and over in in Scripture, but never more clearly than we do in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And what that means and what that tells me is that joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit being the root I'll repeat that so we understand it. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell us as we are saved, as we are born into the family of God. The Holy Spirit resides within. He is planted inside of us as a root. And part of the fruit that comes out because of the Holy Spirit is joy. Is joy. And I will say this this morning. If you walk around with a frown on your face, you walk around like somebody peed in your Cheerios this morning, you walk around like you're mad at the world, whatever it is, if that's the case, you need to take a a look back inside. Hey, listen, is the Holy Spirit dwelling within me? God himself lives inside of me? Hey, listen, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. 
I heard, I heard an old preacher say one time, hey, if you're saved, you ought to tell your face about it. You know, because some of, some of our faces is like, man, I'm saved. <laughs> tell your face about it. It's all good. In fact, I love it when you smile at me. Actually, sometimes when you smile at me, when I look down there, I think like something's wrong up here. So it kind of makes me self-conscious, but it's all good. The fact is this, we are commanded to rejoice. I love that. If it's rooted in the word joy, the way that I, the way that I put this in my head is this. We need to rejoy. Rejoice. That means to have joy and have joy and have joy and have joy and have joy. We need to rejoice and continue to have joy. But I love what he says. He doesn't just say rejoice and he leaves it at that. No, Paul says this. He simply says rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And we've seen that phrase, in the Lord, a couple of other times in the book here in Philippians that Paul has written. He told the church to stand firm in the Lord in the first verse of this chapter. He says, stand firm in the Lord. He says to be of one mind and one spirit in the Lord in the early part of this book. And the fact is, what that means is our life and everything about us and all of our being must be consumed and centered around the Lord and God's glory this morning. And Paul says this to rejoice in the Lord. And I'm just going to preach a little bit. And I, I don't, this is not my style sometimes, but after singing what we sang this morning and this, in this verse of scripture, just bear with me. Here's what Paul didn't say in this passage. Paul did not say rejoice in your circumstances. Paul did not say rejoice in your circumstances. Because if Paul said rejoice in your circumstances, I'll be honest, I'll look you straight in the eye, man to man or man to woman, and say there's some circumstances that I don't feel like rejoicing in. Hey, there's some things that happened in my life and I don't feel like rejoicing. Paul didn't say to rejoice in our circumstances. He didn't say rejoice in your good days or rejoice in your bad days or rejoice when your marriage is strong or rejoice when your marriage is struggling or rejoice when the church is growing or rejoice when the church is not growing. He didn't say that. He didn't put qualifiers. He didn't say rejoice when life is going great and rejoice when life is going horrible. Rejoice when you get a good doctor's report. Rejoice when you get a bad doctor's report. No, Paul simply says rejoice in the Lord rejoice in the Lord and what that means this morning is when your circumstances are bad rejoice in the Lord when your circumstances are good oh no don't rejoice in you oh when your circumstances are good oh no 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 no. don't rejoice in the job no 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 rejoice in him hey when your circumstances are bad hey don't blame him rejoice in him rejoice in the Lord when the doctor's report comes back negative rejoice in the Lord when the doctor's report comes back positive, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Hey, when your marriage is going good, hey, rejoice in the, world, in the Lord. Don't rejoice in the fact that you got it together and you guys went to counseling and you fixed it and whatever. No, no, no. Rejoice in the Lord. Hey, when the marriage is struggling, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say, Paul says, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And let me just say this this morning. God has done so much for me. I don't deserve to be standing here today. I don't deserve the wife that I have. I don't deserve the daughters that I have. I don't deserve the people here that call Keystone their church. I don't deserve any of that. I don't deserve the car I drive, the house we get to stay in. I don't deserve any of that. God has been so good good he's so good to me 
He's been so good to you. And I don't know about you this morning, but I have a lot to rejoice about today. Man, I've got a lot to rejoice about today. Hey, listen, I wish there was more money in my bank account, but I've got a lot to rejoice in the Lord about. Hey, I wish we owned a house that we really, really want, but I've got a lot to rejoice in the Lord about. Hey, listen, I, you know, I, wish we, I wish we could just name it and claim it and, and do whatever we want to in our lives, but hey, I've got a lot to rejoice in the Lord about. Hey, things may have been tough, things may have been rough, but you've got a lot to rejoice in the Lord about today. And I want to encourage you, just like the, the fan at the football game, just like the fan at the basketball game that has no problem going, yes, I want to encourage you to have no problem going, yes, God, you're so good to me. Hey, maybe you knew it privately. Maybe you're in your car. If you're like me, y'all don't want to be a fly on the wall when I drive by myself because I am a lunatic. Thank God for Bluetooth because people think I'm talking on my Bluetooth. I'm singing. It's horrible. Um, I'm praising the Lord sometimes. Sometimes I'm yelling at other drivers. I got to keep a good balance. Uh, but anyway, I'm doing <laughs> false balance is an abomination. So uh, anyway, uh, but, but sometimes I'm doing a little bit of that. But man, oh, I, I want to rejoice in the Lord. I want to rejoice in him. I don't want to rejoice in my circumstances because my circumstances could be good one minute. And how many of you understand? Get bad the next minute. Hey, listen, I don't want to rejoice in my circumstances because the truth is uh, we can have a good day and we could be rejoicing. And that good day could turn bad with one phone call. That good day could turn bad with one interaction. Hey, you could be having a good day at work. Everything's going well. And that boss could say, hey, could you swing by my office? And you walk in and you hear the news that you never thought you'd hear. A word you never want to hear. Hey, we're downsizing. And you know what that means. Oh. Hey, at the end of the day, whether our circumstances are good, whether our circumstances are bad, whether we think God has been good in our lives, or we think, if we think God is, is being mean to us at this time, whatever we may think, rejoice in the Lord. When life is good, rejoice in the Lord. When life is bad, rejoice in the Lord the Lord rejoice in the Lord but Paul not only does he give them a, an imperative to rejoice Paul secondly he reminds them to be known for their gentleness to be known for their gentleness he says let your moderation be known unto all men the Lord is at hand in fact that word moderation is translated uh, graciousness in the CSB. It's translated gentleness in the NASB. Literally, it says this. It means let your gentleness or your graciousness be known to all people. Don't hide it. Your gentleness and your graciousness. Once again, we see Paul highlight another fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering gentleness we see paul highlight another fruit of the spirit and what paul is basically doing here is saying hey listen this is the fruit of the whole, this is what a christian life looks like rejoice in the lord always again i say i say rejoice and then let your moderation your graciousness your gentleness be known unto all men the lord is at hand this is the opposite of, of being contentious or being self-seeking this morning. This is being gentle and being gracious this morning. And far too many churches, and let me just say this, far too many Christians this morning are known for being combative and contentious instead of being known for being gracious and being gentle. 
Hey, more people know too often what we're against than know what we are for. Hey, so many times people, see, people get yelled at and screamed at about what's wrong. And let me say this, when the Bible talks about what's wrong, hey, we're going to talk about it. Hey, we hit on disunity last week and we were pretty pointed about disunity last week. And we're going to be. When the Bible talks about sin, we're going to call it out and we're going to talk about sin. But listen, we don't want to be known for our contentiousness and our anger sometimes and our combativeness. In fact, no, we want to be known for our graciousness and our gentleness. Hey, when someone says, hey, that, that keystone, let me tell you what they do there, man. They preach the truth in love. Hey, they preach the truth graciously. Hey, they preach the truth and they tell you like the Bible says, but they love the mess out of you. They love you. That's what we want to be known for. And when, when people look at you and when people look at me, may they see a gentle, gracious, Christ-honoring person. One who's not self-seeking or one who's not contentious. One who's not constantly looking for an argument. May they see a kind, gracious, gentle person. So this morning we are to rejoice, and that's an imperative from Paul, but we are also to be known for our gentleness. And I, I appreciate this subject being brought up in the testimony time. Number three, this morning Paul encourages the anxious to overcome through prayer. He encourages the anxious to overcome through prayer. And let me say this, and I'm going to read this specifically because I put this in my notes. We don't have time to thoroughly cover the important subject of anxiety and worry. There are many, many treatments and many things that uh, people can help us with, psychologists, medications, and things of that nature. I'm not against them. But Paul does briefly address this issue with a suggested spiritual remedy. And that remedy is, let's read it. Be careful, that word means anxious. It's where we get the word anxiety. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Paul gives a spiritual remedy to this, and he says it's this, it's prayer. It's prayer and, and supplication. That's that next level, and we'll study that word at some point in time. But let your requests be made known unto God. Hey, I'm not a counselor this morning. I'm not a psychologist this morning. I have no medical background and training this morning. I can't give you those answers. I don't know what those answers are. I believe those answers are out there some. But I can tell you this on the spiritual level. Hey, listen, when you're worrying, when the anxiety hits, hey, when life just seems like it's caving in on the inside, listen, I urge you, go to the Lord in prayer. I urge you to turn that situation in your life into a time where you hit your knees and you cry out to Him. And you tell him whatever is on your heart. You tell him everything. You don't hold anything back. Hey, listen, if it's anger, if it's, if, it's, if it's fear, whatever it is, you let it out to him. He already knows. He already knows what you're feeling. He wants you to let it out and, and tell him. In fact, different times throughout Scripture, we see worry and anxiety. Elijah, Jehoshaphat, David, Saul, many others in their lives experienced this worry and this anxiety. And it's been a, an issue throughout time. It's not a new thing. It's been an issue for a long time. And here's my problem. The church for so many years has ignored the problem, number one, 
Or if they have acknowledged the problem, they have not given the problem the proper weight. Let me tell you something. Anxiety and worry and fear can cripple you. It can cripple you. And if you've never seen it firsthand, it's not a privilege, but I have seen it firsthand with people close to me. I have seen it. It can cripple, and it is important, and it is important that we look at what Scripture says. And once again, I am not saying that there's not legitimate treatment out there. There is, and I'm for it. But I'm saying also on the spiritual side, there's prayer. There's prayer. I don't know about you, but kind of sometimes the older I get, you know, the more, the more anxious I become. And you would think, I, would, I thought when I was younger, like the older I get, the more I'm going to be like, oh, cool, whatever. No, the older I get, the more anxious I become. You know, I'm, I'll be honest, sometimes, just shooting straight with you, I'm, I'm like a WebMD looker sometimes. Lord, Lord, help me. I'll have like a pain in my elbow. And I'm like, I need to go to the ER, I'm having a heart attack. Like, I know. Right elbow pain, I, there's a good chance that's what's going on. My foot hurts. You know, I need to, I need to take off. There's something serious here. But you know what? At the end of the day, hey, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Hey, listen, be careful, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Why should I pray, Pastor? Hey, you say read your Bible and pray, get in the Word and, and pray. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you ought to pray. Here's one of them. Here's one of them. To contrast verse 4, anxiety can become a joy killer. He talks about rejoicing in verse 4, but anxiety is almost the opposite of that. And if we don't watch it, we will rob ourselves of the joy of the Lord because of our worrying and our anxiousness. And our anxiety. And I want to I urge you, you're among friends today. You're among people today. If you're a man or a lady in here, there's other men or other ladies in here that you could go to and you could say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. Can you be my sounding board? Hey, can I, can I text you when I'm struggling? Hey, listen, do you think maybe we can meet up for coffee? Or you think maybe you could come over to the house? There are people here that love you and that want to be that person for you. That's why we're here. That's why we're here Overcoming anxiety through prayer. I will say this, just as this is my opinion. If I'm overcoming anything through prayer, what I like to do is find scripture that matches up with what I'm praying about. And as I'm praying, I like to quote scripture. And I like to say things like this God, you said in your word, you said, casting all your care upon him because you care for me. God, that's what you said. And I'm claiming that verse right now in prayer. God, will you please care for me? God, will you please wrap your arms around me? Fourthly, this morning, and we're not going to spend tons of time here, but Paul instructs Christians to think on things that are worthy of praise. Think on things worthy of praise. How we think determines much of our reality. I'll repeat that. I want you to understand that how we think determines much of our reality. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't used to believe that. I didn't used to believe that. 
the older I've gotten into adulthood, fatherhood, the more I'm coming around to understanding that. Hey, listen, how we think about something is often the reality in our lives. And I like the fact that the points that we've talked about this morning, hey, rejoicing, it's a mentality. Hey, overcoming anxiousness, it's a mentality. It's all dealing with the mind this morning. How we think determines our reality. If you walked in here this morning thinking, this, man, this is going to be so boring. Guess what? You're bored. I'll be very honest. If you came in this morning going, man, this is, this is going to be extremely boring, then you are bored right now. But if you came in this morning going, man, I can't see, wait to see what God does. I can't wait to see who's here. Man, I can't wait to worship together. Well, guess what? You couldn't wait to worship. You worshiped together. You saw people that were here, and you're excited. Hey, tomorrow morning, some of you are going to get up and go to work. And in your mind, you're going to roll your eyes and say, I hate my job, but it pays the bills. I'm just going to get through this day. And guess what? That's all you're going to do tomorrow. That's all you're going to do tomorrow. Because you know what the Bible says? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your mind controls so much. It is a powerful thing. The mind is a powerful thing. It is the rudder. It is the steering wheel. It guides our lives. Even secular philosophers and psychologists have said this about the human mind. John Milton said, The mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. Joseph Conrad said this, this is scary, the mind of man is capable of anything. The mind of man is capable of anything. To link to the previous point, William James says this, the greatest weapon against stress, anxiety, is our ability to choose one thought over the other. Man, isn't that so true, but it's so hard and it's nearly impossible? The greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over the other. Man, if, if we saw that, here's stress, right? Stress says we see that mountain coming up and we're like, oh no. Oh, and we start thinking, man, that's going to be a tough climb. Oh, here we go. You know what? When we, when we just choose a different thought, you know what the 12-year-old boy in me sees when he sees a mountain? Hopefully there's a really cool cliff on the other side. I'm going to get a running start. Sorry, John. I'm going to get a running start. I'm going to get a running start. I'm going to run up that hill. When I get to the top, I'm going to jump, and I'm going to... Right? We don't even think about how hard the climb was. We just think, man, when we get to the top of that hill, man, I can't wait to see what my view is going to be. Man, I'm going to jump. It's going to be great. You know what? It's the same hill. That's either a hill or that's a bike ramp. I mean, at the end of the day, hey, that's either a valley you're going through or, man, that's where you catch up speed on your bike and you get going, you come out the other side and you can BMX flip that thing, right? It's all the same, but you know what it is? It's choosing one thought over the other thought. Think on these things. Let's look at what he tells us to think about this morning and will be done. He says this, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, pure, 
lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, to think on these things. The mind is a powerful tool. And Paul gives us detailed right here, a filter to put through our minds. Hey, is it pure? It's not? Okay. Gone. Hey, is it worthy of praise? Nope. Okay. It's got to go. Hey, listen, is this going to be a righteous thing in my life? Is this thing, is this thing going to be just or, or lovely? Is this a good report? Is this virtuous? No? Okay, I've got to remove it out of my life. Hey, listen, we have to filter our minds. How do so many sick, perverted people, people that just, they, they commit crimes and sin, that send them to prison sexually, you know where that starts? It's by letting things in their minds that are not true, honest, just, pure, lovely, a good report, virtuous, and worthy of praise. That's where it starts. Every battle begins in the mind. It's just the way it is. And Paul says basically here, keep your mind right. Keep your thought right. Keep your thought life right. And I don't just mean this in a sexual way. I mean this in a practical way. Hey, listen, you go, to, you go to Connect Group this week, Monday night or Thursday night or uh, whatever, you go to Connect Group. Hey, listen, go with the right mind. Go with the right mind. Hey, next Sunday we come together to, to worship together the one week before Easter, and we're going to be gearing up and talking about some Easter stuff. Hey, come with the right mindset. Hey, you go to work tomorrow, keep your mind right. Focused on your job, focused on what your boss asks you to do, focused on being a blessing, focused on being Christ at your workplace appropriately. Hey, keep our minds right. Think on those things. I forgot to tell you the title because I was too caught up in the worship um, earlier today. The title was Wise Counsel from Paul. That was it. Uh, But Paul does give us some wise counsel in these verses. It's important counsel for our church. It's important counsel for us as individuals. And I want to close by highlighting a phrase this morning that I highlighted at the beginning. And that was this phrase, in the Lord. You remember Paul said to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He also said to stand firm, to stand fast in the Lord. He also said to be of one mind in the Lord. And I want to talk maybe to you today. If you're here for the first time or you've been here many times, it does not matter. I was a pastor's son that was 19 years old and I didn't have this taken care of. If you are not in the Lord. And what does that mean? That means there's not been a time where you have placed your faith and your trust in 100% of what, who you are and what you believe in your eternal destination. If you're not placed 100% on that in the Lord. And if I ask you the question today, hey, is Jesus Christ your Savior? Is he your personal Savior? How's your personal relationship with Jesus this morning? If you couldn't answer that with, oh, I know what that personal relationship is. Man, he's my Savior. He's my Lord. Man, he's my eternal salvation. That is Jesus. If you can't answer that question today. Another way of wording it is this. None of us like to think about death, but one day we will all pass from this, from this life to the next and we'll go to one of two places eternally. We'll go to heaven or we'll go to hell. And the question is, is our eternal security, is our eternal home secure in the Lord? In the Lord. And that's the question I have for you today. Hey, listen, rejoicing in the Lord makes no sense if you're not in the Lord. 
Hey, standing firm in the Lord makes no sense if you're not in the Lord. Standing fast together of one mind, of one accord in the Lord doesn't make sense if you're not in the Lord. I want to give you the opportunity today. You see, the fact is this. 2,000 years ago on this literal earth in the Middle East, right now, you can go visit the places that Jesus walked. He literally walked. He physically walked on this earth. He's not a superhero. He's not a, he's not a comic book character. Jesus literally walked on this earth. The Bible's not a fictitious book. He walked on this earth. He healed people. Yes. He traveled around. He challenged the Pharisees in the church often, which I think is great. Um, he did that. But he lived a perfect life. And he was tempted. He was tempted. The Bible says just like you and I are tempted. Yet he did not sin. He did not sin. He committed to a, one time he committed to a 40-day fast. And I've never done anything. I've done a 10-day fast before. I've never done a 40-day fast. He committed to a 40-day fast. And guess what the devil tempted him with during that 40-day fast? Can you imagine what he tempted him with? Food. Brother, let me tell you something. Mm-mm. That'd be tough. He also tempted him in his pride in other areas in that time. Yet without sin, he lived a perfect life. And he died a death on the cross. He died a death for you and for me. When he died on that cross, 2 Corinthians says this, that he not only died in our place and, and took the, paid the payment of sin for us, the Bible says that he became our sin on the cross. He became sin. A perfect man became sin for you and for me. That's what happened on the cross at Calvary. You know why he did that? Because the Bible says this, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He did that to pay for your sins, to take your sin upon himself, and to give you a free gift of eternal life. And I want to invite you this morning. I want to invite you to be in the Lord. Look, I'm not inviting you to be in Keystone Church. I would love for everyone to be in Keystone Church. And that's what I'm not inviting you. I'm inviting you today to be in the Lord. To be in the Lord. And that means putting 100% of your faith and trust, not in your abilities, not in your giving, not in your good deeds, not in your good works, not in your marriage, not in your bank account, but putting 100% of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Alone. Repenting of your sin and putting your faith and trust in Jesus. For those of you that have done that, I want to encourage you today, man, rejoice. I, I don't mean to pull on your heartstrings here, but if she can stand up in that back row and take that mask off, and she can rejoice, then you can rejoice. Hey, if they can lose a family member and bury them yesterday and rejoice, then you can rejoice. Rejoice this morning. We've got something, man, today you're going to go home and you might watch some basketball. And you're going to watch people go crazy. You know what I want you to think when you see that? Hey, how, how passionate am I about Jesus? How passionate am I about the things of God? How passionate am I? This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.com. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.